Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I Wanna Go Back and Do It All Over edition as we take an in-depth look back at Super Bowl 56. I'll explain why in just a moment. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the amazing Sladek. At halftime of a recent college basketball game, I saw a dude perform at center court who bills himself as America's oldest daredevil acrobat. His name is Gary Sladek Borstelman. He's in his mid-60s, and he goes by the nickname The Amazing Sladek. His act consists of stacking white chairs on top of each other as he slowly and carefully climbs to the top of the tower. Then, when he gets to the peak, roughly 25 feet off the ground, this senior citizen does a handstand. I have never felt more pitifully out of shape. If you would like to check him out, there are abundant videos of his act on YouTube. Just search for The Amazing Sladek. That's S-L-A-D-E-K. Now, let's get to football. Every year during Super Bowl week, the NFL Network runs the 30-minute highlight videos of previous Super Bowls. So this week, I taped and re-watched the recap of Super Bowl 56 between the Bengals and Rams. Despite the outcome, I really enjoyed it, and it got me thinking that there isn't an in-depth audio version. So, this week, I decided to put one together, taking the radio broadcast of the game, some interviews, and a recent look back with Dave Lapham. If the memory is too painful, I understand, and you can return for next week's podcast. But, if you decide to keep listening, I think you'll mostly enjoy looking back at Super Bowl 56. Let's start with how the Bengals got there. A pressure-packed 31-yard field goal try by rookie Evan McPherson in overtime of the AFC Championship game in Kansas City. Four years ago, he was a senior in high school in tiny Fort Payne, Alabama. Now the Bengals Super Bowl chances rest on his right foot. The kick is up. Yeah. It yeah. is good! Coffin nails! Bam! 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 That is unbelievable. The Cincinnati Bengals come from behind on the road. Unbelievable, Dan. It is no fluke. (laughs) It is a fact. The Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Super Bowl 56. They just redefined the word resilient. After ending a 31-year drought without a playoff win, the Bengals were headed to the Super Bowl for the third time in franchise history. A gratifying moment for team president Mike Brown. I'm just uh, as pleased as it's possible to be. If you're in my position, this is what your goal is in life, and here we are 
uh, we have a chance to win the big one, and that would be great if we could pull it off. But it's an exciting time for me and for all the people here with the Bengals. At what point did you think that this team could be a contender? Well, Joe Burrow makes you think you can win any game that you go into, and we have uh, amazing uh, wideouts. Uh, We've got three guys that are just tremendous. That gives us a a live offense. These days in the NFL, the goal is to score 30 points or more. That's what you need to win. Uh, You can even lose at that figure. But uh, if you can get there uh, with enough defense to go with it, uh, you'll uh, prevail. And uh, we didn't always get there. We didn't always prevail. But as we went along, our confidence built because you could see we could play with anybody. And then we got to the point where we were winning these close games, and here we are. Uh, We'll see what happens next. But this is a good group of players, a good group of people. And I uh, look forward to see uh, uh, what what, uh, happens out in L.A. As Mike mentioned, in just his second season, Joe Burrow had transformed the franchise. After bouncing back from the gruesome knee injury he suffered as a rookie, Burrow led the Bengals to an AFC North title and the first road playoff wins in franchise history. And he did it with what NBC announcer Mike Tirico called embraceable cockiness. Here's another NBC announcer, Chris Collinsworth. I, I wish I were as cool as he is. You know, Don't yeah. you? I mean, every once in a while, you meet somebody and you go, I've been living for 63 years. That kid's whatever, 25 years old, and he is 100 times cooler than I am. Like, how do you get that way after... 25 years of your life, you know? And the first time I saw him wearing some of those outfits and the rose colored glasses and all, and now I'm like, I want to go buy a pair of them. If he wins this game, I'm taking off my my NBC blazer and I'm going to go down and grab that jacket and wear it off the air and say, see you guys next season. He's special, right? He is. And, And I think that I'm trying to make a comparison and maybe Pete Rose, you know, some homegrown talent that comes in here and is the superstar of the, of the favorite franchise. And uh, there, there just isn't a comparison that I can, and it's hard to describe what he means to Cincinnati, but I don't know that there's been a football player on the Cincinnati Bengals team in its history Maybe Greg Cook, I wasn't around for that, but in its history, that would mean more than what Joe Burrow means to this community. Before traveling to L.A. for the game, Burrow did an interview with a quarterback who won seven Super Bowls, Tom Brady. I think Joe's got some tools that I didn't quite have when I was his age, so super impressed by how he's kind of come into the league and um, went to Cincinnati, which has been a tough place to play over the years. And, you know, two years into his career after a really tough injury last year, showed a lot of mental and physical toughness coming back and having an incredible season. So, um, you know, I always love watching quarterbacks and certainly young quarterbacks because I feel like, you know, there's certain ways to play the game and and to to play the game at a high level uh, requires a huge commitment. I think Joe 
even from when I saw him at LSU, you know, he makes that commitment. So it's uh, it's really a great thing for me to see as, as you know, someone who's played this game for a long time. So really happy for Joe and his team. Joe, when you hear those words from Tom, your reaction is? <laughs> well, no, I don't know. I don't know if I can be in the conversation with this guy yet, but you know, I'm going to work really hard to try and, I think we're off to a great start. The Bengals stayed and practiced on the campus of UCLA. The day before the game, Dave Lapham sat down in an empty hotel conference room to record his final pregame interview of the year with head coach Zach Taylor, where they discussed one of the biggest keys to the game. Aaron Donald, the guy can be mesmerizing. I mean, your eyes can just go to him and stay on him. He's one of the one of those kind of players. How do you handle a guy like Aaron Donald? I mean, how big a game wrecker is this dude? Yeah, he's one of the best to ever do it, you know, and, and I know I'm only 38 years old, and it's hard for me to say that because I didn't watch all those years before, but I can promise you he's one of the best to ever do it. And, and so you've got to have a great plan in place. Our guys are up for the challenge. The game was played on February 13th, 2022 at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. I've been asked many times since what it's like to broadcast a Super Bowl, and I compare it to the first Jurassic Park movie when the actor Sam Neill is riding in the back of a Jeep. When it stops, he looks left, stands up, fumbles to remove his sunglasses, and then is utterly stunned by the sight of a live dinosaur. That's what broadcasting a Super Bowl was like for me. You almost can't believe it's really happening. In any case, here's how our broadcast began 54 seasons ago the most innovative coach in sports history brought professional football to cincinnati and today the cincinnati bengals get their third opportunity to make paul brown's dream a reality as they face the los angeles rams in super bowl 56 shortly after that we got to dave lapham's keys to the game and as is usually the case he was right on the money Dan, this game's going to be won and lost in the trenches like they usually are. I'm going to talk letter T today. My first T is trenches. Give Joe Burrow time, another T, and obviously space. The Bengals are 7-0 when Joe gets sacked two times or less. 11-2 when he's sacked four times or less. 2-4 when he's sacked five times or more. Give him time. Give him space. I discussed that pregame analysis with Lap this week. The offensive line for the Bengals in that Super Bowl, Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, Hakeem Adeniji, and Isaiah Prince, who is in for the injured Riley Reef. Who or what was your biggest concern going in? Oh, my biggest concern, Dan, was the connection between the five. You know, it's like blocking your guy, knowing your assignment and blocking your guy, that's one thing. But you need time on task to work well with the guy next to you. You know, you have to get used to the steps that he takes. How deep does he set? You know, when he's climbing a linebacker, how how long does he double team? Does he want you to totally consume him before he comes off to the linebacker? Or is he satisfied with you halfway there? I mean, there's all kinds of little nuances and timing that goes on between an offensive line performing well and an offensive line, you know, struggling to get it done a little bit. And that was my biggest concern. There wasn't anybody that was right next to each other that had played with each other for an extended period of time. I was, I was concerned about that because we're talking about a Rams defensive front that, you know, they had an all pro edge rusher and all pro defensive tackle, best pass rusher, inside rusher in the game, if not right there at number two. I mean, 
they had uh, they had a lot a lot to deal with. They had Floyd. They had a lot of people to deal with. So, um, and they had worked together. I mean, you know, when they're when defensive lines are twisting and stunning and stuff, you know, there's a feel there as well. So they had all that time on task, all those snaps in their under their belt, and the Bengals' offensive front was lacking in that area. So that was my biggest concern, not just the one-on-one of handling Von Miller, handling Aaron Donald, but the entire, you know, unit working in concert, I guess, was my biggest concern. As you might expect, in L.A., the game began with a little Hollywood flair. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to say, finally, it is time for the Super After the Rocks intro, the Bengals won the toss and elected to defer. A Trey Hendrickson sack on the Rams' opening drive led to a punt, and the Bengals quickly drove to the Rams' 49-yard line. The Bengals are going to go for it on fourth and a long yard at the Los Angeles 49. Burrow in the gun. Pirine stays in. Joe Burrow drops back to throw. Short pass. Batted away. It's incomplete. Intended for Jamar Chase. Looked like Jalen Ramsey got a hand on it. And the Bengals fail on fourth down and one. Well, I'll tell you, that's a big momentum turn right there for the Los Angeles Rams. Bengals do get positive yards on first down, but then just stutter, sputter and stall. So the first big play of the game came on the Bengals opening drive. Fourth down and one at the Rams 49. The Bengals went for it. Joe Burrow threw an incomplete pass for Jamar Chase. He didn't see T. Higgins, who was wide open and would have had the first down. But going back to the decision, in retrospect, did they get it right going for it on fourth and one at the Rams 49? (laughs) Boy, you can make cases both ways, you know. I mean, I, by nature, am old school. I know I am. I'm more conservative. Um, You know, Joe, obviously, his clock was sped up all game long. There's no doubt. I mean, he... He didn't take a lot of sacks until the game, toward the end of the football game, when you'd expect the Rams to turn it up, and they did. Um, but but he was getting the ball out. He was getting the ball out very quickly, and that might have been part of the reason, you know, that he didn't catch up with uh, with T over there on the backside. Um, but to answer your question, me conservative me, I probably would have punted and buried him inside the ten yard line. But I know analytics say, oh, the percentages are with you to go for it. But you know, the analytics aren't like. And oh, Von Miller, all these guys that you have to make sure you take care of. I didn't have a problem with the play selection, um, but I had a, a problem with not a problem. I mean, I, like I said, I it, it it wasn't like oh my gosh, lost the game now. You know, it wasn't that kind of thing. Um, and and honestly, Zach had been fairly aggressive all year long on fourth down. So as a player, all you want is consistency, Dan. You know, and if you if he pulled his horns in in the Super Bowl, now all of a sudden you're thinking, geez, what's our coach thinking? All year long, this is the path we've taken. So based on that, you know, um, you know, just like with the Detroit Lions, I mean, they're they're super aggressive. They were super aggressive in the uh, in the NFC Championship game that they lost. They they converted 80 percent on fourth down in the regular season, and they didn't get it done to to less than 50 percent in that uh, in that game. So, but as a as a player, it's like my coach was the same guy. He didn't let the game get too big for him. He did what he did all season long, and I'm good with that. 
the Rams took advantage of the short field, putting together a six-play, 50-yard touchdown drive. Third down and a long two at the Cincinnati 17. Three receivers right, two left. Cooper Cup, one of the two receivers out to the left. Stafford back to throw. He's going to lob it toward the end zone. Odell Beckham Jr. reaches up and comes down to the ball. It's a touchdown for the Rams as Odell Beckham Jr. went up and over Mike Hilton to haul in the game's first touchdown. Just a great throw right there. Stafford put the ball where Beckham Jr. could make a play on it. Mike Hilton, obviously, his biggest challenge is verticality because he's not very tall. Five foot nine inches. Odell Beckham Jr. took advantage of that and uh, ball put up. Play is made. Mike Hilton never sees the football. Tries to rip it out of there with the left hand, but Odell Beckham Jr. drips it tightly to the turf. Matthew Stafford's seventh touchdown pass of the postseason. He's only thrown one interception. Now Matt Gay in to attempt the extra point. His kick is perfect. Rams took a 7-0 lead on a touchdown catch by Odell Beckham Jr. He said this year that he would have had 15 catches and maybe 250 yards if he didn't tear his ACL in the second quarter. Was he right? Would the Bengals have been in trouble if OBJ did not get hurt? Well, I'll tell you, he got off to a great start, and they were using him different ways. You know, they were lining him up in different spots. They were motioning him. They were doing everything that they uh, could possibly do to, to make it tough, you know, for the for Luana Rumo to get a handle on how to how to take him out of it. You know, I mean, it wasn't like he was just lining up in one spot and Lou could, you know, um, roll the double coverage over that way or whatever. They, they, they had a good game plan. I'm not sure he'd have the numbers that he's talking about. I mean, those are, those are ludicrous, obviously, but I mean, he, he, he was playing his tail off, man. He was, he was, uh, he was getting it done. I think they would have had difficulty, you know, handling OBJ the way he uh, the way he got started in that football game. There's no question. The Bengals immediately answered. Burrow back to throw. Wants to float it high and deep for Chase. Yeah. He's at the 20, yeah. reaches out, comes down to the ball at the 11-yard line. Nice. A spectacular fingertip catch by numero uno. And the Bengals will have it at the 11 after a 46-yard bomb from Burrow to Chase. It gave the Bengals the ball at the 11-yard line, but Burrow threw three straight incompletions. On the last one, a penalty could have been called on L.A. Third down and 10 at the Rams 11. Shotgun snap. Burrow with a three-step drop. Fires a fastball over the middle, and it is... Incomplete intended for T. Higgins right at the goal line. Ramsey in coverage again. And we saw Ramsey in coverage against uh, Jamar Chase. That time they had him inside working against T. Higgins. He got away with a jersey grab that yep. wasn't called. Yep. Stretch cloth. Normally you get penalized for that. It's Jalen Ramsey. The Bengals settle for a 29-yard field goal try. Shooter McPherson swings the right leg. A high spinning end-over-end kick. It is good. And the Bengals are on the scoreboard. Late in the first quarter, Jalen Ramsey got away with grabbing T. Higgins' jersey on an incomplete pass at the goal line. The Bengals had to settle for a field goal after that. How did that compare to the penalty at the end of the game that was called on Logan Wilson? I think it was much more egregious, to be honest with you, of course. You know, I'm looking at it through different colored glasses than the, than the Rams people are, but uh, that, that I mean, you can see you can see Jersey tug. You know, I mean, 
Logan Wilson's was, it was almost, uh, in, in, in my mind, it was fabricated. I mean, I, he had his hands on him, but he, he wasn't grabbing anything, and he wasn't past the five-yard area, you know, uh, when, when the penalty flag was thrown. And, I mean, I, I thought that, uh, that the one that wasn't called on T should have been, and the one that was called on Logan was, was you know, a little ticky-tack. Um, and, and honestly, I know for a fact, I've heard this from m multiple league sources, that once you get into the playoffs and deep into the playoffs in the Super Bowl, the, the league's philosophy on it is these teams are here for a reason. Keep your flags in your pocket. It was 7-3 Rams at the end of the first quarter. Two minutes into the second, L.A. scored again. Second down and five from the Cincinnati 11. The Rams leading the Bengals 7-3 here in the second quarter. Matthew Stafford under center. Receiver goes in motion. They fake a handoff. Stafford throwing into the end zone. Cooper Cup wide open in the back right corner. He makes the catch for a Rams touchdown. The Rams missed the PAT due to a bobbled snap and led 13-3. The Bengals responded with their best drive of the game, picking up six first downs before scoring their first touchdown. Higgins, Sample, and Boyd out to the right in a cluster. The Bengals toss it to the right. Yeah, Nixon touchdown. throws it to the back of the yeah. end zone and is caught by T. Higgins. Yeah. Touchdown, Bengals. Joe Mixon floating one into the back right corner of the end zone, and T. Higgins hauls it in for the Bengals' touchdown. Talked about trickeration as one of the key keys. Joe Mixon... Everybody starts downhill to fill the run sweep. They think it's going to be a sweep. They don't even look for T. Higgins. By the time the recovery is made, it's way too late for Nick Scott. And Nick Scott says, oh, my gosh, Mixon's going to throw it right over his head for a touchdown. Great call by Zach Taylor on the trickeration. Mixon was involved in seven of the 12 plays on that drive. Did Joe Mixon get the ball enough in the game? Boy. As a as a former offensive lineman, I, I I wish that they had run him a little bit more because man, he was up in the bit, Dan. I mean, I remember we talked about it multiple times how hard he was finishing runs, you know, with the body lean and the violence, and I mean, he was just he was into it. <laughs> and when you have an offensive line that uh, like we talk about, the best thing to do is you know you you got to make sure that they're in in uh, favorable down and distance situations, you know, and uh, Best way to do that is is make sure you stay with that ground game. Um, I thought Frank Pollock did a great job getting that group ready, you know, for the Super Bowl. Uh, it it, it unraveled late, obviously, down the stretch in terms of having to pass protect and, you know, being one-dimensional. But, man, my old, you know, my old axiom is why, you can't make yourself one-dimensional. You know, uh, if, if they make you one-dimensional, that's that's one thing. But if you decide to make yourself one-dimensional, different dynamic. There was no more scoring in the first half as the Bengals came up with a takeaway just before the two-minute warning. Clock running, 2-12 left in the half, third down and 14. Empty backfield, shotgun snap. Stafford from the pocket, looking, scrambling left, squares his shoulders, points deep, fires toward the end zone. Yeah! Intercepted yeah! in the end zone. Nice. It is picked off by Jesse Bates. And the Bengals will get the ball at the 20 Beautiful. as they intercept Matthew Stafford. Van Jefferson was the intended receiver. And the Bengals rushed three and dropped eight into coverage. 
and Stafford bought time, got out of pocket, and he directed his receiver down the football field. Jesse Bates saw him being a traffic cop as well, and he played it perfectly. He ended up being the intended receiver. First turnover of the day goes to the Bengals' defense. Now, after the interception, the Bengals would have had the ball at the 20, but they got penalized 10 yards because a player came off the bench and joined in the celebration, not in uniform, a guy wearing a Bengals hoodie. I think that might have been Vernon Hargraves, who is inactive for the game today, and he just cost his team 10 yards. If that's not Vernon Hargraves, I apologize, but that's who it looked like with a brief look at the uh, video monitor. Well, it makes sense too, Dan. He's the only defensive back that's deactivated. Two years later, are you ticked off, amused, or a combination of both? More ticked off than amused. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, bro. You know, I understand you're excited. I understand. Come on, man. You got to be smarter than that. I mean, the only, the only thing that you can do on the sideline is something stupid like that to hurt your football team. And 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 why why do it? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, that that's a critical that's a critical ten yards there too. I mean. You know, now all of a sudden, 80 yards is tough enough. But you got to go 90 against that defensive football team with a makeshift offensive line and all the things we've been talking about. Every yard is precious. Every first down is valuable. Every first down is gold against a team like that. And you give up a first down in terms of yards because you got a dude in, in street clothes celebrating on the football field. Uh, man, if I had a rope long enough, I would have yanked him back to the sideline myself. I mean, man, I couldn't believe it. It was 13-10 Rams at the half as Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and others entertained the 70,000-plus in attendance, including a member of the Bengals. Money Mac watched the whole halftime show. Money Mac's a big fan. And he came, he, he watched, I guess, the, darn near the whole thing. It's his, that's right in his demo, man. That's right in his groove. Were you able to watch and enjoy the halftime show like Evan McPherson did? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, Dan. I until until you're there live, you, you know halftime is long in the Super Bowl when you're watching it on TV. But when you're there live, oh my goodness, that bad boy takes forever, doesn't it? I mean, it was it was incredible the length of that uh, the length of that halftime show. Um, it was it was well done. There's no question about it. But uh, Evan had a better seat than us, man. He was right there. I'll be honest, I barely saw the halftime show between running to the bathroom, yeah. recapping the first half, trying to get your thoughts together for, you know, broadcasting the second half as well as you possibly could. I was kind of aware of what artists were out there, but I didn't hear hardly any of it. I didn't really hear it either uh, all that well, but I, I I saw what was going on and it was pretty, you know, it was pretty, uh, pretty high profile. No question about it. Um, that was that was funny to see him out there just soaking it all in, man. It was classic. It was classic. Before we get to the second half, here's a quick reminder that the Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. The third quarter began with a bang. Joe Burrow under center on first and 10 from the 25. The ball is on the right hash. 
Joe Mixon in the backfield. He had 40 rushing yards in the first half. They fake to him. Burrow now scrambling. Fires deep downfield for Higgins. Oh, Jumps baby! Up, pushes nice. over his defender. Catches the ball. <laughs> runs it into the end zone. There's no penalty no, flag. No. A 75-yard touchdown. Burrow to Higgins he, as he knocked over Jalen Ramsey really? and ran it into the end zone to give the Bengals the lead. Jalen Ramsey couldn't find the football. And by the time he did, T. Higgins found the ball, cut inside of him. And Joe Burrow, how about giving the Bengals lead a one-play drive? It looked like T. Higgins grabbed the face mask of Jalen Ramsey. Threw him. Used it to throw him yep. to the side. It was not called, and the Bengals have the lead. Should it have been offensive pass interference? I'm glad that he kept his flag in his pocket because he didn't call defensive pass interference. So why call offensive pass interference? I mean, if, you, if you're going to do, do it, do it both ways. Um, you can make an argument that it could have been called in, in each instance. And like I said, um, you know, championship games, let the players decide the game. I'm sure the Rams fans are obviously to this day still fuming that that wasn't called. Um, he, he deserved it after getting grabbed like that earlier. I, th I think he does. I think he deserved an opportunity to use his, his hands a little bit too. The Bengals led 17-13, and on the very next play, got the ball right back. Stafford in the shotgun. He's got Acres to his left. Odell Beckham Jr. is not back into the game. Stafford throws over the middle, and it is intercepted. <laughs> it was deflected off Cooper Cup, and it's picked off. The oh. Bengals will take over Unreal. at the 32. Chidabe Awuje on the deflection off Cooper Cup, and the Bengals have the lead and the ball at the Rams 32. They quickly drove to the 12-yard line before the Rams' pass rush began to take over the game. Third down and four from the 12 of the Rams. Shotgun snap. Burrow cocks ah. the arm and gets smashed oh, no. to the ground. Burrow gets sacked back at the 20-yard line. Ooh. Aaron Donald with his second sack of this drive. And the Bengals will have to settle for the field goal try by Evan McPherson. Boy, I'll tell you, Joe's upset. He had an opportunity there, and he was like, you know, I, he did a good job of holding on to the football. I thought that ball was going to be problematic. A bull rush that time, and Denigy just gets bowled by Aaron Donald, and Joe Burrow has to, when he, when he cocked the football and brought it back down, it was over. This will be a 38-yard field goal try from the middle of the field for Evan McPherson. Clark Harris will snap it back to Kevin Huber. Huber looking back at his kicker. Now turns his head, extends the right hand, catches the ball, puts it down. McPherson's kick lofted, and it is good. Yes. He remains perfect in the postseason, and the Bengals have scored 17 straight to take a 20-13 lead. That was the last time the Bengals scored, and protecting Burrow was the problem. At one point, he was sacked four times in a span of six offensive snaps. The first half, I thought the Bengals' offensive line was very, very proficient and productive. But here in the second half, the, the Los Angeles Rams, they're more bull rushing. In the first half, they were trying a lot of moves. In the, here in the second half, they decided at halftime, let's just power rush and bull rush these guys, and it's working. Five sacks for the Rams in this Super Bowl. Second down and 11. Burrow catches a shotgun snap. Looks to throw, forced to scramble, sacked again. Man. As he goes down inside the five, it's starting to get ugly. The Bengals failed to score on their last five drives of the game, and Burrow got sacked a bunch. 
Defensive coordinator Raheem Morris started rushing five to create more one-on-one opportunities for Aaron Donald, Von Miller, et cetera. What stood out to you about the Rams' pass rush in the second half in particular? Yeah, I, I thought Raheem Morris might go to that five-man rush a little sooner than he did. Um, but it was effective, definitely, because obviously there's only five offensive linemen. And when you have five-man pass rush, you know, you get everybody singled up. Now, you can chip with a tight, you know, you can double with a tight end, chip with the back, and all those good things. You can still have seven blockers for five rushers. But when you, when, particularly with the interior, if you've got everybody covered up on the inside and the center, there's no uncovered center, no uncovered guard to help at all, and you have a pass rusher like Aaron Donald in there, man, that puts a lot of pressure on that one-on-one matchup. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought that that was uh, – that was a good move by Raheem Morris, uh, particularly, you know, when they they had the lead and now the Bengals are the clock's winding down. There's only going to be a few more possessions in the game. That was a wise move by Raheem Morris. And that's why he's the Atlanta Falcons head coach now, I guess. <laughs> a Rams field goal made it 20 to 16 midway through the third quarter. The Bengals defense then forced three straight three and outs. But the offense kept giving the ball back to L.A. And finally, with 6.13 to go, the Rams began their game-winning drive. It reached a critical point right away. This could be the game. 5.07 left, and the Rams ready to go for it on fourth and one at their own 30. Stafford under center. They're going to go with an end around, and it's going to work as Cooper Cup will run it out to the 37-yard line. First big play on that game-winning drive, fourth and one at their own 30. They gave it to Cooper Cup on a jet sweep for a first down. Von Bell was unblocked on the play, but didn't quite have the angle to make the tackle. Is that the play that Lou Anarumo replays in his head to this day? I bet that's that's one of them, Dan. I mean, uh, man, I was just hoping he'd slip or something. I mean, when they, when they ran that play, that play, I, I honestly – it caught me with my pants down. You know, I wasn't thinking, you know, a jet sweep by Cooper Cup on fourth and one. Wasn't wasn't considering that uh, whatsoever. Uh, you know, I, I run into the perimeter like that. I mean, that that's running sideways for a good bit of time on a fourth and one situation. That's having a lot of lot of uh, faith and confidence as an offensive coordinator. There's not going to be any penetration, you know, anywhere. And people are going to win their blocks on the edge and, you know, and get it done. You know, kudos to them. Um that was a, uh, I, I think, a play that Lou Anarumo probably didn't think. Oh boy, yeah, this this is this is it. This is what we have to. This is what we have to take care of. This is one of the primary things. I bet it was down the list of things that he was considering that they'd run. It was just a good call by them and executed uh, very well as well. After that run, Cooper Cup caught four passes on the final drive. Stafford in the gun, Akers to his left, shotgun snap. Stafford looking to throw, inches up in the pocket. His pass caught over the middle. Cooper Cup inside the 30, and he gets tackled at the Cincinnati 24-yard line. The longest gain on the game-winning drive was Matthew Stafford's no-look pass to Cooper Cup to manipulate Von Bell, who was in the middle of the field on that play. We couldn't really see that watching it live. Do you remember seeing the replay later and marveling at the no-look pass by Stafford? Absolutely. You know, it wasn't the first time that he'd done it. <laughs> done it many times in practice and had done it in games before. But to do it in the Super Bowl? Whew, it's gutsy. Gutsy to pull that bad boy off. You know, I mean, you have to have 
you have to have total faith in your preparation and your repetitions and all of that sort of thing. Um, and Patrick Holmes and others have taken it to another level. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was a that was a gutsy a gutsy move by by Matthew Stafford, and and to see it unfold uh, on replay like that, it was something that uh, definitely was a highlight for the L.A. Rams in that football game, no doubt. Coming out of the two-minute warning, the Rams had it first and goal at the eight. Matthew Stafford threw an incomplete pass in the end zone, then threw another where we mentioned something on the radio broadcast that wasn't shown or mentioned on TV. Stafford catches a shotgun snap, retreats to the 17, short pass, incomplete intended for Henderson, covered by Jermaine Pratt. Looks like Sean McVay is arguing that he was held, but there's no penalty flag, and it's third and goal from the eight. Yeah, McVay wanted a call on Jermaine Pratt going over the back, uh, but no call, and really the ball was thrown into the ground. Jermaine Pratt did a nice job of leveraging the back out of the backfield. The Bengals had two defenders around Cooper Cup. They're trying to eliminate him in the red zone on third and goal from the eight. Particularly with no Beckham Jr. out there. Cup one of three receivers out to the left. Single receiver out to the right. Stafford waiting for the shotgun snap from the eight-yard line. Catches a high snap. Drops back to throw. His pass over the middle. Swatted down by Logan Wilson. There's a penalty flag down as he reached around Cooper Cup and swatted the pass down. They're calling holding on Logan Wilson. Not interference. They're calling holding. Right of the pass. Holding. Defense number 55. Not, not the yardage, but it's it's a new set of downs. On the play before the Logan Wilson pass interference call, there was an incomplete pass to a Rams running back. And we mentioned on the radio broadcast that Sean McVay was complaining to the officials that Jermaine Pratt should have been flagged. It wasn't mentioned on TV. They didn't show McVay on the sidelines. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth didn't talk about it, but we did. Do you think McVay planted a seed that led to the call on Wilson on the next play? Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, referee's a human, and and he probably, you know, was debating if he saw it, and I think he did. If he, you know, should I, shouldn't I? And then when McVay went absolutely, you know, ballistic and uh, getting after him about it, you know human nature is, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta make restitution for that. The old makeup call kind of thing. And man, that was a tough one. Logan Wilson paid a big price uh, for, you know, for McVeigh politicking as effectively as he did about his partner, Jermaine Pratt, not being, not being called. Um, I, I think, I think that that did have an influence on, you know, he's, he's thinking, all right, well, geez, I was 50, 50 on calling that one. I didn't, I'm uh, 50-50 on this one because, yeah, like he, he, he talked himself into, into a, a holding penalty. I think he I think he basically talked himself into seeing something that Logan Wilson was doing with his hands that he really wasn't, you know? And it's like, man, that was a crusher, though, to <clears throat> call that thing in the end zone like that. It was nuts. Prior to that flag, each team had been penalized twice the entire game. On the next play... Offsetting penalties were called, and on the play after that, Eli Apple was called for pass interference, giving the Rams first and goal at the one. Here's what Mike Hilton had to say after the game. 
DBs on both sides were grabbing and, you know, a little pull here and there. And they were, like I said, we were fine with it throughout the first three quarters. But crunch time, you know, they got flag happy and we just put us in a bad situation. Zach Taylor took the high road. It's tough. I, I thought it was a, a really well-officiated game, to be quite honest with you. And and sometimes it comes down to moments like those. Um, I don't have a great look at it, but but I thought the officials did a nice job. In Super Bowl twenty-three, it was Montana to Taylor with 34 seconds to go. This time, it was Stafford to Cup. Second down and goal from the one as the Rams look for a go-ahead touchdown. Stafford is under center, takes the snap, floats a fade into the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown to give the Rams the lead. Cooper Cup with the catch, and the Rams have pulled ahead with 125 to go. Down by three, the Bengals got the ball back at their own 25 with 125 to go and two timeouts remaining. Burrow ready for the shotgun snap. He has the ball. Burrow's quick pass. Chase with a no, catch. Yeah. Running away from Ramsey to the 40. <laughs> and he runs out of bounds to stop the clock at the 42-yard line. A 17-yard play to begin this critical drive. First and 10 Bengals from their own 42. They need to get about 20 more yards. Burrow back to throw against the blitz. His throw yeah. caught at the 50. Tyler Boyd with the catch as the Bengals pick up a quick eight. Tell you, it may be one of those situations where the Rams are saying, we left Joe Burrow too much time. But that was not the case. On second and one, Burrow threw an incomplete deep ball for Chase. On third and one, Samaj P. Ryan was stopped by Aaron Donald for no gain, forcing the Bengals to call a timeout with 43 seconds to go. Burrow in the shotgun. Samaj P. Ryan to his right. Burrow ready for the shotgun snap on fourth and a yard. Long count. Joe has the ball. Drops back to throw. He gets hit. He gets rid of the ball. It's ah. incomplete. Intended for P. Ryan. And the Los Angeles Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. Boy, the Rams, they have a four-down stop in the first quarter and a four-down stop at the end of the football game. They didn't have any true takeaways, no fumble recoveries, no interceptions, but stopping the Bengals on downs twice. And who made the sack? Aaron Donald. That's his third sack of the day. Well, it's not a sack because he threw the ball. Okay, well, the pressure and the basically equivalent to that fourth down, just throwing it out into space. He stops, uh, stops anything from happening, but he, two quarterback sacks, and then the biggest play of the game, pressures Joe Burrow and spins him around like a top. That's a big, big effort by Aaron Donald, and I think he has a shot to be MVP. Agreed. Cooper Cup will certainly be a candidate as well for his heroics on the final drive. As Aaron Donald ran toward the sideline, he pointed toward his ring finger. He is going to have a Super Bowl ring. On the Bengals' final drive, Joe Mixon was not on the field, and it was considered a big deal immediately after the game. But then the following season, Samaj P. Ryan was fantastic, and I guess people stopped complaining about it. Looking back now, what do you think? I think that Samaj P. Ryan uh, was real effective as a blitz pickup, a chip guy. You know, pass protection was a strength, uh, a forte of his. And at that point in time, it wasn't one of Joe's. Um, and Joe's worked on it diligently, and Joe's very effective now. I mean, Joe's Joe's much more consistent in blitz pickup and um, helping offensive linemen with uh, defensive linemen pass rush and, and that sort of thing. And I think the way the game was going, like you mentioned down the stretch, Joe was getting sacked a lot. So 
that last drive of this thing, and they're just going to be teeing off. I mean, they're not even going to play the run whatsoever. We need to get our best pass-protecting group in there, our best pass-protecting tight end, our best pass-protecting running back to help our offensive line that, you know, is from a matchup standpoint, like we talked about through the entire podcast, you know, on the short end of uh, a couple of couple of matchups. And like you mentioned, Dan, you, uh, Raheem Morris is bringing five and, you know, you bring a bring somebody off the edge or a safety blitz or something. Now, now all of a sudden, boy, it's like you you got to have bodies in there to, that can pick it up effectively. And I think that was part of the thinking on that. As we all saw later on replay on that final play, Jalen Ramsey slipped and Jamar Chase was wide open deep. But if you look at Joe Burrow, he was looking left on that play, not right, and he pump faked. It looked to me like his first read was T. Higgins. And C.J. Uzama's guy left C.J., double-teamed T. That led to the the pump fake, and then ultimately Aaron Donald was able to get to Joe Burrow. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, I did, Dan. And, uh, you know, it's like T. had already hit him for that bomb. You know, he'd already hit him once deep. So they're thinking, you know, okay, we got to make sure that Raheem Morris made sure that he had some sort of an adjustment where his guy wasn't out there on an island to be overpowered by the by the size of T Higgins, not only the size speed ratio is, is crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just the, the luck, the luck of the, uh, the play call and the matchup, you know, looking left initially and blind side, he gets such a great pass rush, pump fake, no chance to, no, no chance to get anything else done. Um, that's just, that's life in the national football league, man. It's, uh, it's sometimes, Defensive and offensive coordinators, players lay awake at night and see on the screen all the times where they had poor technique or whatever that led to them getting beaten. Offensive and defensive coordinators, man, they got a Rolodex in their head. I should have called this play instead of that one, this play instead of this one at this time of the game. I should have set this play up better by calling this. I mean, you can second guess yourself to death. It's That's, uh, that's why the game is so, so intriguing. The final score, the Rams 23, the Bengals 20. Cooper Cup was named the MVP, but it easily could have been Donald as L.A. tied a Super Bowl record by sacking Joe Burrow seven times. Here are Burrow and Zach Taylor after the game. They have a really good front. Um, you know, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and, and Leonard Floyd are you know, three of the best players in the league. You know, you do, we expected that they were going to get some pressure, so you know, they, did a good jo- they did a good job. You know, I was... Disappointed in my performance overall. I thought I could have played better, give us a better chance to win, but you know, you live and you learn. Every tape we've watched, they, they hit every single quarterback almost on every single snap. And so it's a challenge. I thought our guys did a tremendous job early in the game managing that. Um, as the game gets on, you know, they did a good job creating that pressure. Um, and so when we had some negative plays in first and 10, you know, running the ball in second 13 is going to be pretty tough. It was a bitterly disappointing ending to an incredible season. Here's Sam Hubbard. We made a lot of people happy, and uh, you know we came up short. But you know I think people really you know enjoyed cheering for us this year, and uh, you know the support that we felt, I felt from them was amazing. And all I want to do is just keep playing hard for them and take that next step. As you watch that Rams-colored confetti low to the ground. Did it take you right back to Super Bowl 16? Bingo. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did. And, and, and you know, it's funny, Dan. 
the first thing, you know, like th that experience and other experiences and to this day, when I think about Super Bowl 16, I think about it quite often. The first thing you think about when you when you lose a football game like that is the mistakes. You know, win a football game, the mistakes go away. Lose a football game, mistakes magnify. The bigger the game, the more it holds true. Make plays, avoid mistakes. That's the, that's the bottom line. There was a big party after the game at Pauley Pavilion where UCLA basketball plays. Nelly performed. Joe Burrow's favorite rapper, Kid Cudi, performed. Was there a party of any sort after Super Bowl 16 when you played the 49ers? I'd call it a gathering. <laughs> it was not a uh, it was not like a party atmosphere. It was like, and I, I didn't even want to go. And Lynn's like, we gotta go. Come on, you get you gotta go. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not in any mood to to but it, it was it was very uh I'd say solemn is a good way to put it. You know, nobody was uh as as the evening wore on a little bit, and I didn't stay there long, as the hour wore on, I think that I was there. It's like you start to reflect on, you know, yeah, this didn't go like we had hoped or anticipated. But man, there are so many things when you sit back and take some time to think about it. You know, climb the ladder of success, like you know, one achieve one goal at a time, win the division, you know, win a playoff game, win the AFC championship in '59 below weather, and all these great memories. And it's all spoiled by losing the damn Super Bowl because I, I'll, I I can attest to the fact that as a player, people only going to remember one team, team that won it, and the team that lost it. You're a loser, man, and it just it spoils your whole season. It's unbelievable. The next time we do one of these detailed Super Bowl recaps, it's going to be after the Bengals' first win. Love it, my man. Love it. And you know, Dan, let's let's face it, the Bengals are still right there. They played both Super Bowl participants on the road and beat the 49ers by two scores and, and, and lost uh, by eight points to Kansas city with, you know, with their backup quarterback and had a very, multiple chances to win that football game. Jake Browning, you know, competed exceptionally well. They're, they're right there with anybody. I mean, got to keep number nine healthy when he's healthy. Things like Super Bowls we're talking about uh, are right there, man. Super Bowl 56 did not result in a victory parade in Cincinnati, but it did electrify the fan base. For the last word, here's Mike Brown. This is a wonderful moment for me. Uh, what our goal is beyond winning on the field, uh, that's how you get to the next goal, which is to excite the city and get our supporters feeling uh, happy about how it's going, enjoying it getting involved in the ways they do. That for me is a real treat. I uh, uh, am enjoying that part of it as much as anything. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care... For the best fans, Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.